0: and welcome back to another episode of Another Cliché Podcast. Today I have with me Ariella. She's a dietitian and we are going to dive into which cliche have you chosen for us today? Um, So I want to talk about the idea of dietitians being the food police. Oh, I do hear that often. So when you have clients come in, do they feel judged, would you say? Sometimes. um, I would say
1: there are patients that have a bit of hesitancy about coming in to see me. They think um, I'm going to be judging them on what they're eating. Uh, They also sometimes say things like, oh, I'm not going to tell you what I ate last night because they're afraid of how I might react to it. Wouldn't that just make your job that much harder? Absolutely. Um, For sure. When patients aren't being open and honest about what they're eating, it makes it much more difficult for me to help them. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Do they have, being a dietitian, I know sometimes there's a certain perception that comes with it in that career. What would you say, I don't want to say, what would you say that clients assume about you when they come in to see you in terms of your own diet? Oh, um, they think I only
1: eat healthy foods, I eat salads all the time, I never eat. Chips or chocolate or desserts or any type of junk food. That um, I would only drink water. Um, just, oh, I often um, have patients or even co-workers assume that I'm vegetarian or vegan. Um, yeah, just a lot of, I guess, prejudgments about what I might be eating. Mm-hmm.
0: So do you hate chocolate? <clears throat> or you- no. No. I love chocolate. There you go. I eat chocolate almost every day. (laughs) So it's all about portion control? Yeah, absolutely. Portion control
1: and moderation are, you know, very important things when regulating your diet. Uh, A lot of the time, I guess, one question I always ask is how much and how often? Um, Whenever people are asking me, can I eat chocolate or can I eat ice cream? Um, Those are the two things we need to think about. Um, because frequency and how much we're having is what lets us keep that in our diet in a healthy way. Okay.
0: So how much ice cream <laughs> and how often? <laughs> You're like, no, I'm going to charge you for that. Yeah, I don't think my liability insurance covers this. Oh, gosh. Uh, I do have some questions regarding like these food fads and superfoods and things like that or there was a certain point where my sister and I were like, "Oh, we got to eat all the coconut oil we can because it's good for you." And then we read somewhere, "Oh, coconut oil is bad for you," so then we stopped eating it. But then we heard the opposite again, and it's just like, "Well, which one is true? <laughs> like, do we eat the coconut oil or do we just like stick to using it for our hair?" Like, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, And so coconut oil is one of those things that's very confusing because there's a lot of conflicting information out there. Um, So in terms of what types of fat we should be eating, um, you know, for best heart health outcomes, um, really having more of the unsaturated fats is what we want to do, whereas coconut is a saturated fat. Um, The other thing that's a bit of a challenge around there is, you know, Recommendations differ between the general healthy population um, and those with you know, either risk
0: or pre-existing conditions. I do have a conspiracy theory towards all the conflicting research. Get this. A coconut oil company selling coconut oil will fund their own researchers to prove that it's healthier and then publish that research. But mind you, people don't see where the funding is coming from. And that is my conspiracy theory for all of these different superfood conflicting research. Yeah, absolutely. That's an
1: excellent point. I think whenever we're reading, you know, a newspaper article, something online, um, watching a videos, we need to look at where the information is coming from, Um you know, who's the person doing this research? What are their credentials? How much knowledge do they have of nutrition, health, kind of medicine?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and, you know, also looking at where the funding's coming from is a big, is a, a huge thing. factor. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's coming from, you know, sugar, the sugar industry, the meat industry, the dairy industry, you know, coconut oil producers, we want to know, are they the ones funding this? Uh, Research, because if there is, there might be some bias in what's reported. There may be some very big influences. Absolutely. (laughs) Eggs, that's another one. Whether or not the outcomes look favorable for whoever's funding it might actually dictate whether or not it gets published. Oh my gosh, that's true too. Mm -hmm. So there might be lots of unpublished research about how bad something is for us because whatever industry was supporting that research Mm -hmm. may have not wanted it to be published and it
0: wasn't beneficial for their, uh... it wasn't beneficial
1: for the study they funded. And they're just kind of like, Oh, okay, this is not what we want to see. Don't report
0: that. Yup. It's all about darn it. Our capitalist society. (laughs) That's just how, but you know what? We'll get into that another time. So, um, I guess, One thing with being a dietitian, when you assess someone's health and whether or not they're at risk, which system do you use? Do you use like their BMI? Like how do you calculate that?
1: Um, So a lot of factors come into play when assessing somebody's
0: health. Um,
1: You know, whenever I see somebody for the first time, I'll always review their medical chart, look at any existing conditions, if there's any notes about their family history, that's something else to take into consideration. Um, you know, some of their blood work results, uh, whether or not their doctor's been tracking some of those physical measurements, things like their blood pressure, their weight, height, um, waist circumference, these are all things that come into play. And really, we need to look at all of them in the big picture. Um, I know something that comes up a lot is patients asking me about, you know, what's a good weight for me? What's would be a healthy BMI for me. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people use BMI
0: or they put too
1: much weight in what the BMI means. Yeah.
0: It Um, is criticized mm -hmm. a lot because they don't take, let's say a bodybuilder is considered Mm -hmm. overweight because of all the muscle weight. Right. Um, so
1: BMI is, you know, a nice screening tool. Mm -hmm. Um, but in terms of Assessing your health. It's only one part of the picture. It's kind of like having, you know, a hundred piece puzzle and only having two pieces. Oh, so you're really not getting a good picture. It's just a little bit of information. Mm-hmm. Um, and as Cindy said, it really doesn't take into body types into consideration. So it doesn't differentiate between lean mass versus non-lean mass. Um, so, you, have, you know, two people could be the same height, have the same weight. One person, you know, might be very active and have a lot of lean mass. The other person may be less active and have um, a lot more fat mass. Um, you know, physically looking at them, you're going to be able to see the difference. But when you have those numbers on paper, yeah, um, there's no way to distinguish between the two.
0: Isn't there this um, one that takes into how much fat mass you have when in sort of a water tub and you hold your breath? Or maybe this is a Hollywood thing. (laughs) I've seen it on TV. I'm like, oh, what's that? That's Cool. I want to try that. Um,
1: So I can't remember the technical name for that, but that is a way of measuring um, fat mass.
0: How accurate is that? Or would you? Um,
1: So the water weighing is kind of gold standard, Mm -hmm. kind of the best way to do it. There are a lot of different methods. Um, you can do bioelectric impedance. So that's kind of when you're having electrodes connected to different parts of your body. Um, underwater? Not under water. Okay, okay, I was it's not, like, not you're going to um, be dead. <laughs> and that would be something you might see on a standing scale um, or you might do in a doctor's or some sort of health professional's office where they've got it connected to um, your feet and on your arms.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there also are some handheld devices. Um, and there are also things like... The bod pod, which uses air displacement, so that's kind of the next
0: best thing to underwater weighing. That's pretty really cool. I think I will mm-hmm. try that one day. Um, but going back to the cliche of being, dietitians are the food police. Do you ever feel that you are very strict with your clients, or like this is this is bad, or this is bad food, this is good, <laughs> like don't eat this? Um, no, I don't feel
1: like I do that. I think. You know, I like to find out what my patients are eating. And then I tell them, okay, well, these are the things that you're eating that are really good and are going to help your health. Let's try to eat more of these. Mm -hmm. Um, These are the things that I know, you know, you enjoy for other reasons. You know, they taste good. They're social. They're associated with celebration. Um, You know, there are lots of cultural and social factors that come into play with our food choices. Um, and so, taking those into consideration and thinking about when we're have, enjoying those, mm-hmm. and you know how much we should be having at one time. Um, so there are very few instances where I will say never eat this food again. <laughs>
0: oh really? I guess around the holidays, um, your clients' diets might look very different. Very different.
1: Yes. different um, so a lot of the time when I'm talking to patients about, um, you know, their food habits, I talk about kind of the last week to a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and in January, it's a very different picture from what I might see from a patient in, say, November. Oh, um, yeah. So right after the holidays, they're like, oh, I don't want to tell you what I ate last month. Or I still have so much Christmas childhood around. Um, mm. So, you know, time of year also does make an impact on, you know, how people are eating. Of
0: course, it's holiday after holiday. You hear it, people. Stop buying everyone chocolates for Christmas. <laughs> Just stop it. And if you do, I, I don't know. I, I have this issue where when Christmas comes around, I have 10 boxes of chocolate. <laughs> and I might be, like, the weird person, but I'm not, like, too big on chocolate. Unless it's dark chocolate, then I'm like, oh, okay. I can enjoy that. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a PSA. Yeah. <laughs> don't quit buying me chocolate.
1: Or, you know, if you're receiving lots of chocolate, um, moderation. Or re-gifting. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't know if re-gifting helps because it's just spreading the chocolate <laughs> even more. Um, but really trying to moderate how much you're having. Um, you know, you don't need to finish it up before the holidays are over. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I've got boxes of chocolate that I received for Christmas still at home. You go, girl. Yeah, I will probably have them to Easter. Um. But working on self-control and moderation is something that, you know, we could all benefit from and can be a challenge. Oh, for sure. For everything, really. Absolutely, yeah. We all have our vices. That's true. Mine is seafood. (laughs) Mine might be chocolate. Really? Yeah.
0: I love it. There you have it. Um, oh my gosh, I was going to bring up something and completely lost my, oh, I remember now. I remember Um, about being food police and all that stuff, as a dietitian, when there are certain companies producing these, like, highly processed foods and high corn syrup and all that stuff like that, I don't know if dietitians do this, but do they ever kind of get together to advocate and be like, hey, if this company is going to continue to produce these things that obviously have no health benefits. And they're like, gearing it towards say children and advertising it to children. We should be, I don't know, taxing these companies more. I'm just getting into another. Like, I think mm-hmm. as it as in as in the social work field, I guess where I'm coming from, we always talk about advocacy. Absolutely. So I'm yeah. a little bit interested. Do dietitians also do that? They come together and they're like, nope, we gotta tax this company more. They're not only advertising to children, but there are absolutely no health benefits to this. If anything, the opposite. Um, So that is something that I think could happen
1: at the public health level, um, Mm -hmm. kind of where they might have a little bit more influence on policy. I know um, in the States, there was a lot of stuff around sugar taxes on sugar-sweetened beverages. Um, There's actually a really good set of podcasts about that. Um, It's called Gastropod. So... That's a
0: plug for gastro. So yep, I, do, I do love that podcast.
1: Um, and so that was really interesting and kind of gave a nice balanced perspective on what was going on. So,
0: um, so yeah, did they like, so in the States they do have a higher tax
1: for, I don't believe they do, oh. or it might be, I can't remember. There might be a state that does have it, but it's not, um, the same across all the states.
0: Oh, so if we were to relate it to Canada, it'd be like a provincial. It might be
1: something provincial level, provincial.
0: level okay. regulation.
1: Okay. Well, I guess now that we have harmonized sales tax, and might be across the board, right? Hmm. I
0: don't know. Maybe that's something. I don't, to... I don't know. Maybe that's something to look into. Oh, maybe we can connect our resources. <laughs> take da- I don't want to say take down a company. Uh, ta- <laughs> <laughs> tax them more. And then put it back into like a health program in the community. Ooh, what's win mm-hmm. win.
1: And then the other thing, um, you know, where dietitians can make an influence on kind of the food industry is, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of bigger food companies do have dietitians on staff as part of their nutrition departments. Um, so sometimes when they're working on new products, um, you know, dietitians might help in setting, you know, these are the targets we want to keep the sugar under this. the fat under this yeah we want the fiber to be at least this in the product um so that is somewhere where dietitians can have a positive impact
0: on you know some of the food the processed foods that are coming out to the grocery stores and that's great but it also makes me question because that's their employer they they probably want to keep their job (laughs) they're probably not going to push the boundaries too much absolutely and you know when we're thinking about processed
1: foods and things that are prepackaged, there is always kind of that balance between, you know, does it taste good? What's the shelf life? Um, The cost. The cost of producing it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, profit margins are certainly something that are going to come into play. Um, And then, you know, nutritional factors are something else that come into play. And, you know, thinking about what the population wants has a big influence there. Because like, what,
0: what will our consumers buy? So people have spoken. They would like sugar. <laughs> and lots of it. I don't know about you, but I think this episode has uh, inspired me to maybe connect our resources. And I'm dead serious. And we could do this. Because I don't know if you know this, uh, the Ontario Trillium if, if Foundation. Yeah, more. if you, if you ever like apply for like a Trillium grant, yep. part of your agency, you have a certain amount of money. That money is actually from gambling, like is lottery tickets. Yes, oh. yes. Doesn't it blow your mind that this I... Trillium fund to help the community is actually from like uh getting people to buy more lottery tickets and buy like gamble more because it's from OLG and. The- tax them, and they take that amount, uh, percentage that's taxed, and they put it into a trillion fund.
1: I had no idea. That's yeah. their way
0: of, like, compensating all the wrongdoings.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> actually, um, at work, we run a program, mm-hmm. um, and for it, we need a kinesiologist, and that person are being supported
0: by an Ontario Trillion grant. Yep. Yeah. I'm and sure. I actually wasn't aware of this. I had no idea. Until... Uh, I think back in September when I started at this agency and my supervisor was telling me about she went on a whole like soapbox about (laughs) this. She's like, Oh, I have my phone to think about this, and I was like, Well, it was just blowing my mind. I'm like, wow. So it goes to show, like, really look into where where the funding is coming from. Yeah, where the funding is coming from. It's like, well, this is great, there's so much money. (laughs) Where is this money from though? But yeah. Part of me
1: wants to message my friend right now and be like oh know you're being supported by
0: gambling addiction <laughs> gambling um yeah but you know what it's ironic because then some places apply for the trillium to like combat gambling addiction it's just a whole when you think about it right that's a cycle speaking of addiction food addictions <laughs> see that transition there very, very smooth <laughs> thank you mm-hmm food addiction, and your role in it all. And do you ever feel like you're the bad guy? And I'm relating this back Mm -hmm. to the cliche. Do I feel like I'm the bad guy? Um, You know what? Sometimes
1: I do have to be a little bit of a bad guy. Um, And it depends on, you know, the patient's condition and, you know, their motivation. Um, If they're working willing to work with me to improve their health. It makes things a lot easier, but sometimes people are resistant. And so I do come off as a little bit of a bad guy, bad cop, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, being saying, you know, we really need to make these changes to improve things. Um, And that can be a challenge sometimes because um, when I get to be nice cop, it's a lot easier to get them to come back and see me and, you know, build that long-term relationship where I can help them.
0: When they, that's the thing that confuses mm-hmm. me. It's like they choose to go see you, right? If they have mm-hmm. this time and all that. But I guess it's up to their discretion and whether or not they want to follow your mm-hmm. advice. Um, do clients ever refer to you as a nutritionist rather than a dietitian? Sometimes, yeah, that does happen a lot. And do you ever clarify to them and be like, actually, I'm a dietitian not a nutritionist. And this is why. Yeah, that happens a lot. And sometimes, you know, patients will come in
1: saying, well, my nutritionist, or, you know, my mom's seeing a nutritionist who said this, this, and this, and, you know, really clarifying the difference between a nutritionist and Mm -hmm. and a dietitian um, can be a bit enlightening for patients. So, um, you know, in Ontario and other provinces, dietitian is a protected title. Um, We are registered health professionals and so from, a, you know, that means we've done an undergraduate degree. We've also completed a year of um, clinical placements as part of an internship. Um, and, you know, quite a few of us have also done master's degrees. Um, so we're people with, you know, five to six years of education and experience going into this field. Um, nutritionist is not a protected title. So anybody can market themselves as a nutritionist and give out advice for, um, You know, and they might not necessarily have any educational background. Oh, my Um, gosh. Which, you know, is a little bit scary because Cindy could sell herself as a nutritionist.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm a Um, nutritionist. Eat more cake.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yep, and that's kind of the advice we don't want going out there.
0: (laughs) That kind of reminds me of um, how you get these health professionals on Instagrams with millions of followers. And they come out with a book, and their little bio is like, I don't know, fitness junkie, nutritionist, and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. And they give out all this advice, but really when you look into it, they actually have no educational background. Right, and a lot of these kind of experts, I'm
1: putting that in quotations. (laughs) She's using air um, quotes. Air quotes. Um, (laughs) Some of these people that market themselves as nutritionists, um, kind of health experts, are often not using evidence-based Recommendations. They're talking about their own
0: experience, so yeah. oh, it's very anecdotal. Very anecdotal. Yeah, yeah. I actually heard of this scandal. I don't know if you heard of it. There's one of these air quotes experts um wrote about how she overcame cancer by changing her diet, which was not true at all. But she got so many people to buy her book and to believe her. Oh no, I haven't, but. She's absolute evil. What mm-hmm, absolutely. Evil human being because people actually were following her advice. It's like, hey, if I start eating more carrots, like, my cancer's gonna go away or something. That, that's a true story. You know I mean? <laughs> I'm gonna Google it after we're done this episode and show you. This girl. I think, is she in jail yet? I don't know. But I'm gonna Google it. I'm gonna show you. It's a true story. Mm-hmm. Beware, guys. Beware of all these Instagram experts or youtuber well you never know maybe they do have an educational background
1: maybe
0: yeah maybe um, they talk about
1: it but you know if they do have the educational background they're likely to really put that brand center too to give themselves more credibility yes
0: that's true that's mm-hmm. true so when you're following a youtuber on like yeah what to eat or what's the best diet plan or how to lose i don't know a 100 pounds in like six months or some sort of ridiculous title in their mm-hmm. youtube video yeah just... I, see, I see a lot of 20 pounds
1: in a month oh wow i'm just kind of like that's a little much yeah okay question these credentials question if it sounds too good to be true
0: mm-hmm. it probably isn't <laughs> and how do you feel that people always think like wow i gotta like lose this much weight and skinny means health. like skinny equates to healthy all the time Mm
1: -hmm. And I think kind of media portrays that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: But also in the past,
1: there has been a lot of emphasis on weight and health risk. Um, You know, we know weight does play an influence there. But, you know, really thinking I need to, you know, get down to a size four to be healthy or I need to weigh under X number of pounds um, is something that a lot of people have mindsets about. Um, And that's not necessarily true. Sometimes, you know for somebody to get there, they need to lose 40 or 50 pounds. And, you know, they might see a lot of health benefits only losing five or 10. Um, And really lifestyle factors make a big influence, you know, what we're eating, you know, are we sleeping? Well, are we being active? Um, You know, are we doing things like, you know, in terms of skincare, using sunscreen or using sun protection?
0: Are we avoiding smoking? Um, Oh, my gosh, you get into like, sunscreen and all that sometimes oh wow okay i didn't know that's so it it, it doesn't
1: come up that often but um just kind of thinking about general lifestyle behaviors Mm -hmm. um you know how all of those played influence versus focusing on just the weight yeah um because you know some of us do have larger bodies um but we're very active and we take care of ourselves um and sometimes you know some because just because somebody looks a little bit heavier Mm-hmm. Um. Doesn't mean they're less healthy than
0: a skinnier counterpart. part. Well, it could also even be like a hormonal imbalance. Absolutely. And that's just they're like they're active, they're healthy, but that's just right. Their exactly. Natural body. So, is there any other thoughts that you wanted to add in regarding this cliche? Um, I think you know, thinking about dietitians as the food
1: police. Mm-hmm. Um you know, when we're at a meal with friends or family, we're not watching what you eat. We don't care. Um, (laughs) And, you know, we also appreciate you not judging us on what we're eating.
0: Oh, okay. I'm not going to lie. I do have friends around me that are like, oh, well, I went to go see the, the dietitian, And like, I was asking them about what they eat. And so I was like, well, why does that matter? It's like, well, if this is their job and they should be eating perfectly. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you know what I mean? Like yeah, practice what yeah. you preach kind of yeah.
1: Um, I get that a lot. So patients will be like, well, what do you eat? I'll just yeah. eat
0: that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, if
1: you don't like what I eat, that, that's <laughs> no good to you. <laughs> Would you say that you practice what you preach? Um, for the most part, um, I have a pretty well-balanced diet. Um, You know, I did say earlier, I love chocolate. Um, I have it, you know, pretty frequently. I would say at least five days a week, I have a little bit of chocolate in my diet. Um, But also going back to that question of how much and how often, um, Mm -hmm. you know, when we're having those foods we love and enjoy, thinking about either limiting how frequently we have it or, you know, if we want to have it more regularly, really thinking about the portions. Mm -hmm. Okay,
0: and uh, after this podcast is over, I'm going to ask you about white wine and how much, how much and how often, because I'm trying to have that on a regular basis. But I heard that red wine is good. I'm not sure about white wine. Um. So, yes, you heard it, people. Stop judging your dietitians <laughs> on what they eat. And whatever they eat, it doesn't concern you because you're not eating it. So Right. Um, and, you know,
1: when we're seeing patients, we're – Not really talking to them about what we eat, because that doesn't matter to them. Um, What's important is, you know, what the patient's goals are, what their health concerns are, and doing what we can to address those, you know, within what the patient wants to do.
0: Have you ever had a patient express to you that, hey, like, I feel kind of like I have to be defensive right now. I feel kind of judged or attacked Probably not, right? I feel like you're pretty professional about it. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. I think sometimes
1: patients come in with a defensive attitude, um, so they're kind of resistant, resistant to opening up and telling me things at first. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just gotta get it there. You just gotta break down those walls. Break down the walls. Um, you know, be nice. <laughs> um, show them that they can trust me, that I'm there to help them, um, mm-hmm. and not there to
0: judge them. You heard it, folks. They're not judging you. No. They're helping you. We just want to help you be healthier. Yeah. Well, maybe you can... I <laughs> was going to say, maybe you can write a book and sell it via yeah. New York Times bestseller. Uh, maybe, book. maybe. But I think I would
1: need some sort of catchy, gimmicky title to get sales. Um, how to Lose 100 Pounds. <laughs> yeah. I don't think a balanced approach is going to be that appealing. A lot of people
0: want that kind of quick, quick fix. Yeah. For everything. Or you can be... <gasps> You can become one of those influencers. Oh my god. you can be like, This is a step by step video. I'm Like, let's take a look at your daily lifestyle. <laughs> I'll plug your channel. Okay. If you start it, yeah. I will when I get started on that. I will and advertise I and then I'll come back on. <laughs> yes. Yes. A follow a follow up episode. That that's the plan. You heard it, folks. That is that is set now. After she starts her YouTube, her famous YouTube <laughs> career, she gets big, she'll come back on for another episode, and then you will plug my podcast. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We'll do a collaboration. That's exactly it. Yes. Aside from the other collaboration that we're going to do to advocate for the people in our community, mostly those high courts here of things, advertising children. We're doing it. We're doing it well, actually, depending on how much time I have, it's <laughs> time dependent, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Don't hold us to it, yeah. We have a lot going on, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> thanks for coming out and record. I was about to say film, but there's no the camera yeah, recording. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just, my hair is great for right now. Um, thanks for coming out and recording this episode with me. It's been very informational, and I'm glad that you got to address some of the myths around being a dietitian thank you for having me yeah i'll have, to have you back for part two. part two part two once i get my uh,
1: social media presence going yeah
0: <laughs> in the future <laughs> gotta find my niche all right and thank you to everyone for listening